Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Michael Sestouli and welcome to Cinemates, a podcast where a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. In this episode, I'm joined by Joe Walsh and my brother James. And together with Joe and James, we chat about two recent Star Wars productions, Andor, which explores the start of the Rebellion, and the Tales of the Jedi, which goes deeper into the characters of Count Dooku and Ahsoka. While drinking some Peroni Reds, we discuss how Tales of the Jedi built the Star Wars universe even further, and why Andor will receive Emmy nominations. As always, make sure you're following Cinemates wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review to support us. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Cinemates. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, though. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. I am nothing! No! Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Keep busy, Larry. Joe and Jim, welcome back to the podcast. How are we going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Michael. How are you? Yeah, I'm well as well. Yeah, good. Happy to be back for another Star Wars special. Yeah, nice. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing both Andor and the Tales of the Jedi. So if you've only seen one of them, we'll leave the timestamps in the show notes. But if you haven't seen either, would highly recommend uh, but just before we do, boys, a little check-in. What have you been watching recently? Um, I have started Game of Thrones for the first time. Okay. Wow. And I know, a little bit delayed. Um, but wow. Episode, uh, already on season two. And, okay. And, and uh, hooked. So Nice. Yeah. Heating up. Heating up. Heating okay. up. I wish I could like go back and relive my yeah. first watch. But yeah. yeah, it's a phenomenal That's show. That's what people keep saying. So I'm just <laughs> trying to enjoy it while I can. Yeah, nice one. Jim? Enjoy the highs of the early seasons. Um, <laughs> recommendation. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, White Lotus, okay. as probably everyone is. Um, yep. And then just finished The Bear. Love that. Nice one. Um, great, great show. Yeah, so enjoying a pretty good run. And then obviously Andor, but we'll get to it. Yeah, nice. I um also watching White Lotus and Rick and Morty which I think gets swept under the rug a I've bit. I've had a few episodes of that as well. <laughs> yeah, season six. It's actually really good. It's good. Um, but shamefully also saw La La Land for the first time yesterday. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to have a confession as well. I still haven't seen it. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I just like, I'm not a big musical guy and I always like put off seeing it, but wow, it was phenomenal. So 
Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, don't know why I waited. Are you reevaluating your your (laughs) dreams about your life now? (laughs) Yeah, I seriously am. Uh, But let's dive in. Tales of the Jedi first. To listeners out there who haven't seen the TV series yet, what would we say about it in one word and what would we rate it out of five stars? Um, My one word is going to be historic. Okay. Um, I just thought that kind of go back a step um, uh, looking looking back in history with uh, Dooku and um, and Qui-Gon and all those characters uh, yep. which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, found it quite historic. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Okay. I thought it was um, probably the best cartoon TV series I've ever seen. Like, wow. I thought it was really cool um, and they did a great job. So four and a half and a five for me. Nice one. Jim? Um, I will say background. Okay. One word. Um, rating, I'm going to give it four stars okay. and, and I'll explain why. Um, obviously the story writing and the kind of, you know, backstory and motives of Ahsoka and um, Count Dooku are awesome to explain. Mm. Um, but as kind of a standalone show, like it's, it's a bit random. Like it kind of jumps around the place. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if like non-Star Wars people would enjoy it at all. Because it's just yeah. it's almost just like a documentary background thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. But like as for kind of a recommendation to people. Yeah. It's almost the complete That's true. opposite <clears throat> of Andor, where mm. like you're only gonna enjoy it if you love these characters and you know like the Star Wars history and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so many Star Wars Easter eggs. So it's like you kind of gotta pay attention and, and know what to look for as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's very rewarding. Um if you love it and you're like, you're like, oh, that's why. Like, it yeah. explains so much. But as a standalone show, I'll like, I'll give it the four out of five. Okay, fair enough. I I actually kind of agree with that. I think as a huge Star Wars fan, for me, I loved it and I gave it a four and a half out of five as well. I just thought that as far as shows go, like it built up the character arcs of two big characters, especially Dooku, who we'd only really seen in two films. Um, so I thought in that sense, it was amazing to see more canon and like really build upon that. And as a Star Wars fan, it probably made that even better Mm. and, and probably just serving us. But, um, I love that it was like really short 15 minute episodes could pump it all in one session. Um, so it was really good in that sense, but I do think, yeah, probably can't recommend it (laughs) as someone who's never seen Star Wars or something. So yeah, it's probably a bit favored in that way, but my one word is going to be more. The reason for that is to give us more from Lucasfilm and Disney because I had a look at this and Dave Filoni, the creator, he came up with these ideas while he was filming The Mandalorian. He was just writing these like made-up short stories about certain characters and it ended up becoming this show and I think that anything he creates turns to gold and I think he's got some even bigger things that he could make from this. So you know if he's doing the Ahsoka show and all that kind of stuff? I think I think yeah. he's playing yeah. a big part in it. He's obviously very good at kind of giving more context to characters. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So it makes sense for him to do those shows. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just before we dive in, I think the last thing is that shows like this and Andor show us how much further they can explore. It's not like Marvel where it's kind of you know, there's obviously thousands of comics and different stories about different characters, but um, we're getting a bit fatigued with those. But whereas Star Wars, they haven't made that many things yet. So they can really just 
do anything yeah. at this point. So much potential. Really. Yeah, yeah, big time. I think the problem with the Marvel one is that there was that natural ending of Infinity War. And then like kind of the casual fans were just like, ah, that's it, I'm done. And then when they started again, it was only the like mm. diehards. Like I know I I stopped watching. Like mm. but with Star Wars, because there's no obvious Yeah, they okay. Just kind of it's keep making stuff. Yeah, that's and they're true. Not like they don't have to like recapture audiences and all yeah. that kind of shit. But then also not like you look at the Mandalorian, like that mm. character's come out of nowhere, really. Yeah, now exactly. It's like one of the most popular series that they've made. Yeah. Um and Obi Wan, like you know, that was a bit of a, a gimme to the to the fans. Yeah. Um but then Tales of the Jedi and I think some other things that are to come. It's looking good. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they don't really have those restrictions. So yeah, it will be interesting to see. Of the comics and all yeah. Like- all right. Getting into it. So Tales of the Jedi, I think first thing that stood out for me was just how good the cinematography was. Um I think that the tone was really dark and gritty, especially for the Count Dooku episodes. And I love that because people always say, and what actually originally turned me off watching the Clone Wars animated series and Rebels was that it was animated and it was actually on Cartoon Network. So I originally thought it was just for kids, Mm, but it's anything but that. And this really showed that because it was really dark and yeah, some of the scenes and shots, even in these little 15 minute episodes, was awesome. What did you guys think about the style of it. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, like you start off, I think the very first scene is where in Ahsoka's like hometown. Mm. Um, she's just been born and um, yeah, it's like very, it's like a rite of passage that she's going through. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. Like, you're, yeah. Um, and then you get to the other side, which is Count Dooku um, and it's very dark and you start to see how he was kind of swayed over mm. originally to the dark yep. side. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I thought it was yeah same sort of idea. I, I like the dark theme of it. Yeah, I think um, like with having such a dark tone and and being able to see these little things such as like Ahsoka's birth, like I've never really seen a Jedi be born before, and like what sort of happens. And I think for equally for Count Dooku, we never really see how the Sith go from one side to the other because I think they have to start off as Jedi, right? Yeah. Or in most cases. Well, we see Anakin. Yeah, we, we see Anakin. Sorry, we, we, do, <laughs> we do see Anakin. Uh, but in terms of these other villains that we yeah. have only seen their, their dark sides, um, pardon yeah. the pun. But um, yeah, I think like being able to see these sort of dark scenes, especially I think it's the first Count Dooku episode where, um, you know, they've been sent on this assignment, him and Qui-Gon, and you think that they have to kind of rescue this prisoner and they hear that the galaxy is thwarting or the That's like, senator. Would you call him a senator? Yeah, senator. Okay, yeah. Hang on, he's he's corrupt as hell. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's screwed over this this little town. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that, you know, he, he kind of realizes that the Jedi are just these political pawns mm-hmm. and that, you know, really he should be siding with the townspeople who are struggling and suffering and stuff. Mm-hmm. And... To be able to see that is really interesting because he then, you know, starts like force choking all these mm. like guards and stuff and you kind of agree with him. Like you agree with his logic. What yeah. do you think about that sort of aspect? Well, it, just, it just kind of proves that it's not Jedi. Being a Jedi is not all good mm. and like you really have to kind of devote yourself to the cause and if there's a crack of like you're not believing in it, like yeah. you're, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
especially when it comes to kind of the deep political issues, like mm. Dooku's clearly about fairness and, um, you know, doing real justice, not just what like yep. the Senate wants to do. Um, you kind of like, feel for him as yeah, well. That, mm, like, absolutely. You know, yeah. Um, and it kind it kind of parallels to like, I mean, it's a very minor part of why he turns, but Anakin does make comments to like, I mean, it's a bit different, but he talks about how like he's kind of a fascist, where he's like, oh, I just want one person to rule and stuff yeah. like that, and like it was just good to see Dooku's side of that. Yeah, but it's not it's not him trying to be like chasing power or mm. evil. He just like actually doesn't like the current system. Yeah, I think that's just yeah, just so interesting because we have had this whole sort of like fascist idea where you got the emperor and they want to rule everything and. That's like the whole undertone of Star Wars and what's driving all these changes of power. But I think that to see him kind of have a different side and I think his background is he actually was really wealthy and he's, yep. he and hates his family. father, yeah, I think, yeah. because of that. So I think that probably drives a bit of that as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, that four stroke scene was actually pretty cool. Like mm. when I, I remember watching that for the first time um, and seeing like a Jedi do that and you're like, yeah. oh, wow, like that's he's, – he's, He's got some power behind him. You know, yeah. This is the turn of, of Dooku potentially. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even to see um, Qui-Gon's reaction, because he's, yeah. he's kind of, I don't know if he's still a Padawan, but he's obviously with him and um, Dooku like throws him away and we kind of see him like, see Qui-Gon saying like, no, like stop, like you're overdoing it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's still sort of accepted. Like they haven't outed him as like taking it too far yet. How cool is it seeing um, Qui-Gon Jin again? Yeah, so good. The young Jin yeah. and Liam Neeson doing his voiceover. <laughs> yeah. So good. So cool. Um, loved that. And I think in the next episode, I think it is, um, or the one after, we see Dooku's reaction to mm. Qui-Gon being killed by... Um, uh, <laughs> fuck Mace, uh, Darth, 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 uh, Darth, Darth Maul. Maul. Darth Maul, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Mind blank. Um, but I didn't actually realize that at the time of Phantom Menace, he was... Count Dooku was still a Jedi. Yeah. yeah. No which idea. is really interesting. Yeah. What do you guys yeah. think of that? Yeah, no, very cool. Um, and it kind of makes sense. Like Attack of the Clones is like when you first see Dooku and that's like 10 years later. So mm. it's unclear when he turned. But yeah. when you meet him, you know he used to be a Jedi. Mm. And it makes sense um, that he would have still been around. Um, yeah. But I, I must have been a complete idiot because I forgot that Qui-Gon was his Padawan. So I was kind of like, oh, who's this like quite like valiant Padawan he's got with, <laughs> yeah, then, with long hair and yeah. a beard. <laughs> he actually calls him Qui-Gon in the ship at the end. I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. I don't that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was very cool. Yeah. Um, One um, interesting thing that I thought, because he, Dooku doesn't attend uh, Qui-Gon's funeral mm. and we see kind of Yadel going to him and saying like, you know, you should join or whatever. And it kind of drives his anger even more because um, I think he got, got caught up with how, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were on this assignment for the um, for like all these senators and, and that's what led to his death. Um, but I thought it was interesting that the fact that he didn't go to the funeral might have changed his entire like sort of final step into mm. What's uh, the reckon if he did go to the funeral that... He might have been brought back from the brink. Yeah, because he because he was like sort of off alone, and that's like when he just sort of had made up his mind. I yeah. feel. And I also feel like he definitely cared for Qui Gon as mm. well. Like I feel like he had some, um, uh, like he had some attachment there. And yeah. when, he, when he died, I think that was also kind of help help break him into that dark side character. Mm. Um, 
I thought it was really interesting seeing Yaddle for the first time. I know we've like all, there's been a lot of speculation about her, a bit of an interesting character. Yeah. Um, but then seeing her for the first time and then also seeing her interact with Dooku, you feel like she knew from like a while that mm. he was kind of headed down a dark path. Yeah. I thought um, that was really interesting as well. And yeah, like you said, being able to kind of see others sort of reactions to some of them, yeah, going down that dark path, I thought was really interesting. And to see also the episode with, Obviously, her finding and following Dooku yeah. and seeing Darth Sidious, I thought yeah. was probably the highlight for me. That was a what do you guys episode. think of that? Yeah. yeah. For me, it really reminded me of when um, two different things, when there was that fight where at the end of Attack of the Clones, mm. where Obi Wan and Anakin are like fighting Dooku in that, kind of that space hangar as well. Yeah. Um, and they go there kind of without backup and end up losing. And then. Yaddle does the same thing. She kind of goes without backup, yeah. loses. Um, and then at the same time, it kind of mirrors um, when like Mace Windu goes to fight the Emperor with no backup and yeah. loses. So it's just like <laughs> the Jedi should probably learn how to yeah. like have a squadron behind yeah. them when they do this yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, but it was a very cool fight. Um, yeah. And it obviously reveals that, um, yeah, like Palpatine's kind of behind him making that final push. Mm. Imagine if she did like alert the Jedi Council and then they all go and then they find out Palpatine is yeah, Sith, like right exactly. there. Like how, like, that was, I found that crazy, the fact that you see a young Palpatine like while, while he's still Palpatine, not Sidious, mm. um, and you see him like in the early stages. I don't know, this would have been what, like after, after episode one, right? Yeah, mm. right at that time. Yeah, yeah. so pretty pivotal moment for the Sith and for yeah. him. And you're seeing like this behind the scenes of him and Dooku kind of, um, you know, orchestrating it all. Yeah. Like it could have been make or break. It could. I Like obviously there's a lot of plot armor in us knowing what happened after. Yeah. But even some of the, like the way that the fight panned out, like you had kind of Dooku sort of showing that he like didn't want to keep mm. hurting her and stuff. And then she kind of nearly got away. And you thought maybe like she was going to get away somehow and yeah. alert other people. But yeah, it was a really good episode. Um, what did you guys think of also the episode with uh, Dooku and Mace Windu? Because mm. I thought that was really interesting in seeing their relationship, but also how they deal with the same sort of issues. Like um, when they kind of realized that these guards had killed a Jedi from the ship. And they were investigating like the crime scene. Um, you can see like Mace wanting to like alert people and get like people to come arrest them and stuff. And Dooku at this point is just like, no, like they've killed a Jedi. You know, we should just fucking kill them basically. Yeah. What do you guys think of that episode? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, I thought it was, you kind of got to see a different side of Windu as well. Yeah. Um, like when he was talking about like they being on the Jedi Council, I think he had like taken Dooku's spot. Mm. Um, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. As like a so, master, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's probably why he wanted to keep those people alive was so he could like kind of show them as a trophy that he had he had like, you know, captured these bad guys mm. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, it was interesting. I thought you could kind of see that it looked like Mace Windu was quite power hungry as well for like yeah. a seat on the table because um, he still wasn't quite there yet. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, it shows that like <laughs> – even within the Jedi, people kind of trying to climb the corporate ladder and all <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it's weird though because it kind of it shows Mace Windu like, yeah, just following the rules heaps and stuff. Mm. And like he obviously still does that um, throughout 
the prequels. Yeah. Um, like telling Anakin to like kind of stay in line, etc. But then, it, again, he does the opposite when he goes to, like, fight Palpatine where he like just <laughs> he's like, no, I we need to kill him now, yeah. like, rather than doing the trial. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. He, he's, he's obviously learning from Dooku. Like, they're kind of learning from each other. Yeah, they are. Um, mm. Which is quite interesting. And mm. then they obviously have, like, kind of a bit of a fight at, in the Attack of the Clones as well. So yeah. kind of rounds that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to mention with the Yale episode and some of the other episodes as well, the score of the show was so good. Like it's very kind of Blade Runner-esque and they did it in the last season of Clone Wars and it was just so good. And they, again, it makes it dark, it makes it mature and I just thought the score was epic yeah. as well. You didn't really feel like you were watching a cartoon. No. I know it looked like, like it is a cartoon, but it just felt like you were watching like this, this sort of dark history sort of documentary like you said before mm. um but yeah no the, i didn't even really think about the score until afterwards and kind of reflecting on it more and you, and it's actually yeah it was yeah did a really good job of that so. yeah um a few other of a uh, few other episodes we haven't talked about um the other ahsoka episodes yeah i thought the one that shows that anakin basically prepared her for order, order 66 yeah. like inadvertently but um, to see how she was able to do that um, was really interesting. But I thought the better episode, um, the kind of peak for Ahsoka obviously was to see the post-Order 66. Yes. Yeah. What do you guys think of that? Yeah. On the like farm and kind of how she's hiding herself. Yeah. Obviously it explains a lot um, and how hard it would be to like not be a Jedi. Yeah. Um, yeah and it kind of parallels what Obi-Wan was doing Um in his kind of time between between the two, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the show of Ahsoka goes. Like, mm, does yeah. it kind of pick up in that time period? I think I think it will. Yeah, and kind of what she gets up to because she's kind. It seems to me she's kind of decided that you can't hide forever. Yeah, you may as well kind of go out there and do some good. Yeah, even if you're not like part of the Jedi, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Well, doesn't she? I think she goes and like helps try and set up like the Jedi Order again with Luke. Mm, I think get that in Mandalorian a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really cool. And it kind of showed like those two episodes with Ahsoka, how powerful she really is. Mm. Like she's a like bloody powerful Jedi. Oh yeah, big and, time. Like she was fighting that sixth brother Inquisitor mm. with no lightsaber. Yeah. Like <laughs> so good. This Jedi hunter is just fighting this, this ex-Jedi who's probably very out of practice mm. and just like still – like wins the fight. So. Yeah, she absolutely beasted it. Yeah. And I thought that that was really interesting because, again, we've seen her training and we're used to this character. But, mm. yeah, she was able to kind of go straight back into it, hadn't lost too much uh, touch with the Force and, yeah, got an epic scene with that Inquisitor. Mm. One thing I thought was interesting, though, was to see how the other people in the farm were reacting to the empire taking over. So they're I like to say that, like I found it hilarious. Yeah. They're like, well, oh, they're going to save us. And yeah. It's like, <laughs> there's all these kind of like people on their team and you're just yeah. like, you are such an idiot. Yeah. But, yeah. but obviously these people have to exist because yeah. otherwise like the whole galaxy would be in rebellion. Yeah. So mm. it kind of, which kind of flows into what you see, we see in Andor. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's quite, it's quite funny because you don't see that in, any of the other stuff, really. Yeah. Um, but these people kind of have to exist, otherwise mm. the empire 
would struggle to maintain control. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, one final question I've got for you guys. Given that it was so good, or at least we thought so, um, do you think that they should potentially make a Tales of the Sith? For yes. sure. Where they maybe yes. follow two or however many yeah. Sith Lords. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Got a doubt. The great, the, this would be almost be impossible to do, but they have to, like, if they could do a Palpatine one to see yeah. how he became yeah. Palpatine, yeah. that would be the holy grail of yeah. the I Sith feel side like, of it. Yeah, he's such an intriguing character and, like, by far one of the most powerful characters mm. in the star wars universe yeah. um so I, I haven't i haven't like read up about anything i, I don't know if they have explored his like background but no. if we could get a glimpse of why he is who he is that mm. would be and if they could do it yeah. well because the bloke's messed up like, <laughs> he's probably messed. He is. also like plagueis as well we've yeah. never ever like yeah. seen anything about him there's always been teasers of him kind of being in it but mm. um i think that would be really cool that would be cool lucasfilms Go do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Um, but now let's get into Andor. So to the listeners out there who I don't know why they would be this far in, but uh, if they haven't seen Andor as well, one word and rating out of five stars, what would we give it, boys? I'm going to go with beginnings. Okay. Um, because it, we see the literally the beginning of the rebellion pretty much. Mm. Um, beginning of like I, I was thinking like, you know, once after like after this – time with mm. Andor, um, you know, the rebellion gets stronger and stronger. And without Andor, basically we wouldn't have Star Wars because, you know, without Andor getting those plans to um, Princess Leia mm. and those plans wouldn't have helped them destroy the Death Star. And then, you know, like they would have lost the, they would have won the, wouldn't have won the first battle. So, yeah, um, yeah I thought it was a massive like beginning of like the rebels that we know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I gave it a four and a half, four out of five. Um I didn't quite give it the four and a half just because at times I did find it quite slow. Mm. Um, some of the episodes were took it was yeah, it did feel like a little bit like they were just dragging it out. Mm. But um overall like great series and yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah, nice one. Jim. Um I'm gonna go with perfection. Okay. As my one word. And obviously five out of five stars. Yep. Um wow. uh I'm gonna paraphrase Harvey Dent here and say this wasn't <laughs> the show we wanted. But it was a show we needed, yeah, or the show we deserved. Um, just such a good series, um, independently of Star Wars, first yeah. of all. But the way that it kind of just came out of nowhere and created these characters that you know just you see in passing in Rogue One and just kind of palm them off mm. um, and give them so much depth, <clears throat> introduce all these new characters, not rely on cameos from you know kind of other Jedis and stuff mm. like that and just keep it quite street level. Yeah. Um, just amazing. And just like really good storytelling. Mm. Um, just a great story of kind of espionage and action and like people's motives and just so good. Mm. Yeah. Nice one. I, my one word was going to be refreshing. Um, yeah. Combination of what you both said. I think that I had no expectations of what Andor was going to be. I knew like, who it was going to be about, but I had no idea that it was going to contextualize so much, especially about the rebellion and everything that has happened. Um, but the way they were even able to make that small premise, like just so interesting and really dive into characters, again, bit of a dark tone was really refreshing. Um, and every Wednesday I was so keen to watch it. 
Um, I, I actively thought this is going to be shit. Yeah, when same. I first saw it come out, I'm like, yeah. "Why the hell would they make this?" Yeah, it's like it's like about a character who we literally saw hardly anything of <laughs> yeah, in Rogue, Rogue One. One on a like a spinoff yeah. <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> he wasn't even the main character yeah, of that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I completely agree. But it in that sense, it probably you know exceeded expectations and um, made it all the better. And I originally had a five, but now that you talked about the pacing, I do kind of agree. But now having finished the show. Maybe it didn't need to be 12 episodes, mm. but I still think it needed to be long. Um, I, I a completely long disagree. I thought the pacing was actually really good for a show that was 12 episodes, um, like 45 minutes or mm. whatever. Mm. But when you were like sucked into that world, yeah. like it felt like you were actually there and like yeah. you just lose yourself. And mm. like I love shows that can do that where mm. like you, you forget yourself what time it is. Yeah. Um, and the slow pace, I think, actually helped with that. Yeah, that's you know, a good point. I I like kind of that those slow burners where they really dive in and mm. give you these long protracted scenes just with two people talking. Um, yeah, like almost kind of Tarantino style mm. um, in that respect. But I I loved kind of how slow it was, and like I was quite annoyed that there wasn't more. To mm. be honest. Mm. Yeah. Well, we are going to get more. Uh, obviously, with yeah. more seasons, Season but two. yeah, I I do kind of think that because the show was shot on real locations, mostly in the UK, yeah. Um, and like you think about the Mandalorian, Obi Wan, they usually used that sort of um, I think it's called the box or something, where it's like it's this new type of green screen and it looks better, LED but it's, circle thing. Or yeah, that. but yeah. to be actually in real locations. Um, you know, especially some of the planets we hadn't been to before. It wasn't just those carbon copies of like the sequel trilogy. Um, and I thought it, again, it was like if you think about the very start of the show, we see Andor kind of running in this ISB sort of controlled um system, and it's very much again. I'll use the sort of words like it's kind of like Blade Runner vibes and yep. like Tron Legacy sort of yep. connotations, but yep. we still know it's Star Wars, and we. It was good to actually kind of be there and be able to see all these things mm. um, because usually it's a lot of green screen and um, we did have some planets that we were familiar with like Coruscant but yeah. to see like in a different way. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen the Han Solo movie. Um, oh, I think I turned it off after. It, <laughs> it, it gives you, I mean obviously there's some flaws but it gives you the flavor of that kind of street level mm. Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Like kind of the, you know, Mos Eisley Cantina type mm. characters yeah. who are just like going about their stuff. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that this show went to that place. Yeah. Um, and it just shows that like you can't really blame people for not giving a shit about the Empire or the Rebellion. They just want to live because like, you know, just everyday people. Yeah. Um, but it was just so good that it takes you – and just like gets into this guy's life mm. um, and he just somehow finds himself um, questioning what he's doing in the world and yeah. just stumbles upon this thing, which is a rebellion. Mm. Um, but I found like he didn't really, it was almost like he didn't want to like sort of find out about it. He was kind of just avoiding it. Mm. And I feel like he always had that sort of drive about him, but he never really... Um, believed in the rebellion like he was kind yeah. of just going about his life you know he was just trying to make his way make a bit of a coin you know mm. do what he wants to do um and so i feel like over over the episodes though we get to see like his slow like gradual progression to you know being a rebel fighter in the mm. end like proper 
joining Luther and everything. Yeah. So yeah. He's honestly like a Han Solo guy where like yeah. just starts out not giving a shit and then kind of eventually comes around more just from the fact that he's just spent time in it and like yeah. it's developed with him. He's um, also a pretty dark character as yeah. well. Like, you know, like that first episode, he shoots two guards. You know, mm. he doesn't really like give a fuck. <laughs> like he's yeah. just… Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, it was interesting to see his background as well. Like he kind of… Can't remember what his people were called, but he grew up in like a Canary. native… The Canary. Yeah. Um, and we see the impact of like imperialism and like mining because mm. they tore his planet to shreds and like basically turned his life up apart. But… Even still, yeah, like you said, like he isn't really on board with the rebellion yet. Like even halfway through the episode, um, he's still not like subscribed to it. Mm. But to see that slow chip away and same for heaps of other characters, like to see their gradual like formation of this whole thing was really good because if they would have done it like another way, like this rebellion was just like, you know, the classic people standing up to evil. It might not have like been as interesting. Yeah. And um, then, uh, I really liked how they showed like at this point, the rebellion's so fragmented. It's just yeah. like a bunch of guerrilla forces yeah. fighting their own small battles. And, and it's, it's so small as well. Like they have no pull, no power really yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and, and then just like, trying to survive. Yeah, like, literally. Make their own way. Yeah. Literally just trying to survive. Um, and then you see like, you got the power of Mon Mothma, who I think is really cool because we see her for the first time, I think, in episode four. Mm. Um, and she's directing, like, the tactical movement with the um, blowing up the Death Star, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we see her in Rogue One. Do we? Do you remember? Can't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. I think there might be a cameo by this actress. Yeah, but right. it's not… Okay. It's not like a big role. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it was cool to see that. Like, you know, she, she's obviously come from a lot of money and power. <laughs> Um, and she's decided to put her money to the rebellion, but it's also a struggle for her because mm. all the senators pretty much hate her because she's like the only one who's like kind of re- saying no to Palpatine, mm. um, which I thought was really interesting to see that yeah. side of it. Yeah. It shows all the different types of people you need. For mm. Yeah. Like you need someone with a bit of power and influence who can recruit people. Mm. You need the on the ground soldiers who yeah. can just kill people no matter what. Yeah. You need the kind of shady coordinators like Skarsgård's character. Mm. Um and it's not just like your standard, um, you know, fight against evil sort of storyline, you know, like the, the good guys go and save the day. It's yeah. like this is coming from the absolute beginning, you know. Mm. We're seeing it all, the, the rebellion rise all the way up until, yeah. which I thought was such a cool, like integral part of the whole Star Wars like, um, franchise after. So. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think to have all these different characters and seeing their slow um, relationship with the Empire kind of dissolving but also the realistic nature of it. Like Mm. if you think about the heist, for example, which is like what occupies, you know, most of the first two thirds, first half of the show, Mm. the heist is just stealing like a quarterly payroll of empire, like staff, if you will. Um, And that would be boring on paper, but the way that the, they build it up and the way that they show what effect that will have on the empire like makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And for them to make that interesting, like Tony Gilroy, the creator, I don't think he actually is a Star Wars fan and he kind of just gets told what the rough story should be and he does what he can with it and they fill in the Easter eggs in between. So Mm -hmm. I think the fact that they can make this sort of probably semi-bland 
premise interesting was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I really enjoyed the kind of methodical planning that they did for that Aldani heist mm. and like how every single thing needs to be planned, even yeah. though it's like in the grand scheme of things, it's four guys robbing a factory basically. Yeah. But like the effort it takes to actually do that it took like <laughs> – Took them three years to plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the background, <laughs> and they had to practice it for months. Marching like, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they and they reward you by showing you every step that they've practiced. Yeah. Like, and that's why I kind of liked the slowness of it. Like, mm. even though the stakes aren't super high, yeah, it just shows like the effort that's required to like even do this small thing. Yeah. And then it gives you the double-edged sword where you just like, oh, great, it's a heist, but then you realize, oh. They actually need this money to keep financing the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. Like, if they don't have this money, like they can't do they, it. You literally need to get bankrolled by someone. Yeah, mm. and like it achieves both. Yeah, it starts the Rebel Alliance, kind of like the, the murmurings and the rumors mm. around the galaxy mm. begin. All oh, these people are standing up, and they also get a fuck ton of money to like yeah. Yeah. keep going. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's also like a, a, sh- a sign to everyone out there that oh yeah, like the Empire aren't. You know, they're being on end all like we can we we can destroy them, we can steal from them, like we, we have hope. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think what was really interesting in seeing all the different parts of the plan and how they were practicing and kind of working their way around Aldani was that um to hear like from each of the people in the crew, like I think um one of the characters kind of backstories that I really liked was um, Ebon Moss Bakrak, who was in The Bear. Yeah. Um, his character <laughs> talks about how his brother was kind of being like kind of tormented by these stormtroopers and they were like um, kind of enforcing his land and they didn't kill him, which is what you would normally think, but he actually like killed himself and it just shows the impact of the Empire on, like, these everyday people. Mm. Um, Like, this show, which is what I think is so good, is that there's no, like, big heroes, there's no lightsabers, there's no, like, force. Mm. And we see the real, like, people of the galaxy. And to see the effort that they have to go to, like, three years for one heist. If you think about how many heists the rebels would have to do, like... Yeah, and then half the crew anywhere. die. Just yeah, like yeah. just one just gets shot by some bloke yeah. in a guard tower. Like, yeah. I'll see you later. Or like, the like manifesto guy gets crushed by the money that they're stealing. Yeah. yeah. Which like, is crazy. Yeah. It's weird to think about like how many sacrifices were made mm. just so like we could still see those like <laughs> later episodes of like Star Wars. Like, yeah. You know, like you look all the way back, you're like, the sacrifice they have to make just for just to survive and mm. like just to to keep the rebel alliance going is like incredible. Yeah. yeah. And you think about it, that as well like even this whole show and probably the the, the seasons we're going to get mm. of Andor later they're still all going to be like deleted because they die giving yeah. away the death star plan. Yeah. So like yeah, it just shows that fragility throughout this whole effort. Mm. Yeah. Um one thing with the Aldani heist I thought was really cool was the scene where they've actually like left with the money and you've got the fireworks of the kind of um like festival if you will the meteor shower thing yeah Yeah. but the um again the score was incredible this one was by nicholas brutel who did like moonlight don't look up succession as well um just amazing and they ready to pop the question 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Could make these great scenes out of again this heist, which I thought was really cool. Mm. Another random one I enjoyed was like the kind of indigenous tribe that are just there because they're watching it, mm. who yeah. kind of provide the accidental distraction. Yeah, like you kind of wait there thinking that they're going to join in, but they just don't. Mm. Yeah. Like it, it just it's just another like layer to this show where not everyone is on gets turned into a hero yeah like some people are just there and they're bystanders <laughs> and that's all that happens mm. like and it makes you keep it just keeps you guessing about what's going to happen yeah it's so real like yeah i feel like it's one of the the most like real star wars things we've ever seen like really mm. to be honest like yeah um just all everyday people kind of absolutely what do you guys think of the um the prison and those two episodes with the oh. prison escape Mate, I reckon this is my favorite part of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think the planet was amazing, and I think Andy Circus was probably my favorite character. You know, yeah, 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 just killed it. Yeah, I thought it was like when we first saw that prison, and you see them making things, you're like, yeah, okay, this is definitely for something big, and like your mind starts thinking, oh, this could be like the Death Star potentially. Mm. This could be something like integral to to the Sith. Um, but yeah, so cool, and then. You kind of just see um, Andor just kind of go through the motions, you know. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, this is my fate now. Like, mm. um, but then he's like, nah. Like, let's let's get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, because he had kind of like got his money from the heist, and then he'd been sort of like using it to like drink and stuff. Mm. But then he's in, he's in like the Star Wars Tulum. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they, yeah. they actually have like a like sort of bit of a banger playing <laughs> <laughs> one of the songs, um, but. Like to see, so he's like done nothing wrong and this stormtrooper just sort of like arcing him up. And then he's like, he 
says that he was involved in some sort of like illegal thing that had happened, which he actually wasn't. Mm. Um, but he gets thrown in jail for six years and then we kind of realize like, oh, okay, like you can be anyone on the street and the empire is just going to throw you in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he does sort of like just go through the motions and kind of doesn't care and stuff. Mm. But I think that, and same with um, Kino, like he's this day shift manager. Yeah. He's like about to get out in 40 days or whatever. Or a few months and he's just wanting to do his time and get out. Yeah. So I thought that the way that we see those two and the rest of the prisoners sort of slowly realize what's going on was amazing. Yeah. I thought the ending of that episode, I can't remember which it was, but the one before the um, jail escape mm. and we get that last scene with the doctor. Yeah. And, and, he's, the telling old guy. Him, and he's telling him about what happens down on the other level, <laughs> up on the other levels and like how everyone just dies. Mm. Um, I thought that was just like crazy. Like you just see, you think like, wow. So Palpatine is literally just controlling all this to happen. Everyone, everyone who's involved in making this, like cannot, no one can know about the Death Star. Mm. Like, it's the biggest kept secret in the entire yeah. galaxy. Because like if anyone finds out, if any word gets out that they're making like this planet killer, mm. like the th- like all the, oh, I'm sure like all the um, Senate and stuff will probably go against him. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I thought it was, I thought it was such a cool scene, like a really emotional scene as well. Mm. And then this when you see Kino sort of just like turn his tone, he's like, yeah, okay, like maybe we should yeah. get out of here. It's, yeah. It shows like it it comes down to like desperation. Mm. Mm. Like he didn't actually care. He just like, but then he realized, oh, what I thought was going to happen by getting out is not going to happen. So now I kind of have to rebel mm. just mm. to survive. Really. Yeah. And then it shows as well, just, I don't know about you guys, but it makes the Empire look so much scarier than yeah. just a bunch of ships. Yeah. Like, they can ruin your life so easily. Mm, yeah. um, and like, yeah, the irony of like Andor getting in prison for nothing considering what he's actually done. And then when the judge yells out the six-year sentence, you're like, oh, fuck, that yeah. would be so – like imagine <laughs> that happening to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're just walking down the street. Suddenly you're in jail for six years. Yeah. 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 Insane. Um, yeah, I hadn't quite thought about that. Like I thought – because we obviously hear from the ISB how – we're getting these trickling downs of like, you know, Palpatine wants this and that. Mm. And um, yeah, the fact that there was this big kept secret and to hear how he actually did that yeah, and what sort of labor he actually used to, yeah. you know, form that. But um, I wonder how many like teams, like all like levels he actually killed off before we got to that stage. Mm. Yeah. Like, well, because there were multiple like buildings. Yeah, exactly. It was had... all in sevens. There was yeah. like seven people on a table, <laughs> seven tables per room, seven rooms per level, and there were seven levels. Yeah. So oh. that's why it all adds up to like, it was like 4999 or something um, people in that one facility. Oh, right. And then there was seven of those facilities on the planet. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good pickup. <laughs> so, it's so many people. Yeah. All probably with the same sort of faders and or just either yeah. been thrown in or like, you know, extremely penalized for something. Yeah. Um, and then it took, I think it took like just one mistake where instead of killing the guy, they put him in the other level. And then he obviously was like telling everyone like, guys, I came from another level. Like this is bullshit. You're all going to get killed. And mm. then that's how that whole level yeah, like got fried yeah. or whatever. And I really want to know like what Palpatine, what went through Palpatine's mind like when he found out that there was an escape mm. on, this, on this planet that, was a key part of building the Death Star. Yeah, like do you reckon he was like freaking out, like okay, we got to we got to shut we got to shut everything down, like we got to kill everyone. Like yeah, well, equally as well, like to think about how many people actually escaped. Like mm. 
after the escape, but we'll talk about the escape. After the escape, we only see that Andor and the guy that he's with actually like kind of make it to yeah. safety. Who is also um, in Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to think about that, like to hear what it, he, like Palpatine's reaction would be, would be really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, they would get hunted down and shit. Yeah. Um, and it would only the best of them would actually make it out. Yeah. But, but they, they they obviously split off. Like mm. it's not like they're all going to become one force again. No. They're like no. They're just all fighting for themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, one thing before we dive into the high uh, the escape. Um, I think the dialogue of the whole series was just so good. Yeah. Like you talked about where we see Kano kind of hear that everyone's getting killed and seeing how they didn't try and save this old guy who like had a stroke. Mm. Um, and this the episode ends because Andor was like, um, how many guards do they have on each shift or whatever? And instead of like... I don't know. I'm not a writer, but instead of saying like something like where we see Kano kind of turn, yeah, he says like a line of like 12 over three hours or something. And just like, I thought that they had really like just good dialogue that was again, pretty dark. And we're understanding all these characters like changes. Cause that's yeah. what the whole show is about. Yeah. Like change. Yeah. You could tell Andor was like chipping away at him a little bit. Yeah. He yeah, saw yeah, that yeah. one little crack and he's mm. like, this is my guy. I need yeah. him. Like, let's slowly chip away at him. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah, like you said, it's not that just immediate switch. It's just like a slow realization that, mm. oh, we're actually not going to get out of here unless we do something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Imagine that realization though. Like, oh shit, like where this is like the end. Yeah, exactly. Like, we have, yeah, life or death. Crazy. Oh, that Living in that prison would be so fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah. of course you just jump on like that guy who just falls out of bed just because he's sick of it. Yeah, on, yeah. on the like the hot plate yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's that was what I was gonna say. Like, really cool and like different idea. Different, yeah, yeah. Like oh. having that like that torture or like that um um I don't know how to say, it, but like the floor that was electric, mm. and then whenever they stood on it, they get electrocuted. Like yeah. that was just a very bizarre and sort of different thing that you wouldn't really expect from yeah from Star Wars, especially. Mm. Yeah, that was neat. I was yeah. listening to a podcast where they interviewed Tony Gilroy talking about um kind of how he came up with that prison. He's like. I, He's like, well, we kind of worked backwards. We were like, okay, he's going to this prison. Why is this prison going to be interesting? Mm. Like how do mm. they actually keep people in? And like they just obviously created this unbelievable prison mm. like mm. with so much detail about how it all works and like what their fears are That's and so cool. the way they control. Yeah. And even the weird details about how it's like how the power is generated where it's like, okay. It's like, like hydro. It has to be like it can't just be like power lines. There needs to be a lot of power in this thing. Let's put it on a water planet and do hydro, mm. and then that way you can turn it off, and then it mm. takes ages yeah. to turn back on, and like yeah, all yeah, these details so cool. just line up to this like amazing thing. Yeah, and it only takes like one word where it like clicks mm. to like explain mm. how this place works, and yeah, yeah just crazy detail, which mm. is another part of what I loved about this show. Like, it's filled with stuff. And like, but it doesn't take much to explain it. Yeah. Even though they're crazy ideas. Mm, and time. like, it's just slowly revealed over time. And yeah. there's always stuff for you to like pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the escape episode was some of the best original Star Wars that I'd seen in a while. Really? Um, I think, you know, we've had the fan service of like Mandalorian season two, for example, the finale was like up there as well. But again, this is, these are things that, 
kind of a shining light on characters we already know and they're great and amazing but this is the first sort of like new stuff we're getting mm. and I think that um, to hear Kino kind of revving up all the prisoners and saying like you know I'm going to assume I'm already dead and to actually think about how like you said there's thousands of guys in this um, facility and they're all just having to like fight for their lives Um what do you guys think about when Cassian and Kano get to the like bridge mm. and they <laughs> force the two prisoners um, and he has this speech over the like intercom? What do you guys think of that? It's obviously a very cool speech. Um, and if you think about other shows where there's kind of a rev up speech, you're kind of like, oh, great. Like, you know, this is that hero moment. Mm. But he's act- if you think about it, he's only actually doing the speech because they literally need the men. Like it's actually required. It's mm, not just yeah. this like hero moment, nah. which sounds good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. like them. like they actually need someone to inspire everyone to fight because like the more men they have, the better chance they're going to get out. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I just loved the fact that this crazy monologue was actually just a required piece. It's, yeah. It wasn't just icing on the cake. No. Yeah. And most of what he was saying were just instructions, like, yeah. um, you know, stop the work. I'm the day shift manager. Exactly. I've just heard they're killing everyone. You're not getting out. Mm. Like they're just all these facts that we already know, but you think about but everyone else needs he, to hear it. They he, don't know it. Yeah, he has to teach everyone, mm. okay, this is all happening and you've got to explain that in like a minute before yeah. like mm. stuff starts kicking off and like the clarity to be able to like pull that together in your head and explain like over a loudspeaker to a whole prison mm. what's mm. going on. Like <laughs> obviously super important that – yeah. Like Cassian got the right guy to do this job. Like yeah. it's a very hard job to do. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that at first he, I can't remember what he says in his first little bit, but he's kind of holding back still because he's still a bit scared. Um, and Andor's like, you know, is that the best you've got? And then he sort of like winds up and starts saying this stuff. But I just wanted to, before we talk about more of it, I just wanted to actually play some for the listeners just to remind you how good it was. Because for me, I had absolute chills while hearing this. And Circus, I reckon, could have an Emmy nomination coming his way. <laughs> what is like best guest star or yeah, something like that, yeah. at least. You see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving, and you keep them moving until we put this place behind us. There are five thousand of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we will be home. Yeah. Score as well. The so score good. is so good. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, just amazing. And what do you guys think about how he couldn't swim? Oh, <laughs> he so couldn't jump. Tear jerker. Yeah. All right. Bastards. I know. One, one more ironic like, yeah. moment slash yeah. death. Really, really. Like, what do you guys think happens to him? I reckon he drowned. But, no, but do you reckon he actually got pushed off? Or do you reckon he stayed there? I don't know. But that I, I like that they didn't show us that. Mm. I would have loved to have him, like, join it and keep going. Because he would have been an inspiring figure in the yeah. rebellion. You know, part of me feels like we will see him in season two. <laughs> I don't I know why. So. I, I just feel so. like we might. See I hope him. so. But it would it would break the realism. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, true. we're following this guy Andor, and like it's like in a moment of war almost. Yeah, and he just gets knocked off, and then 
he's actually just not really he's never gonna see that guy again yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't get it you don't get this perfect goodbye moment yeah like it's, yeah, it's just very just real. life you know that's, it's yeah. just yeah again very real and like they're not the typical like the empires killing them. Like there's these other people that just die in the process. Yeah, um, and, and not for to, one way or another. Not to break the the kind of the raving we're doing about how like mm. realistic it is, but um, you know who else he plays in Star Wars, right? Yeah, Snoke. Yeah, <laughs> so I was talking to actually. <laughs> he's, the he's, he's the voice of Snoke. <laughs> so people are like, oh, maybe maybe Andy Serkis turns into Snoke. I'm like, oh, that makes no sense. Palpatine uses him. That would be insane. Because, like, yeah, he goes back to the, the, the jail and, like, he's the only one there. Palpatine, yeah. like, comes down on his ship or something. He's like, hey, okay, yeah, you're got a plan for you. Yeah. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. Um, same episode, I think, we also get uh, Luthen's monologue. Oh, yeah. Um, to Old Mate. I thought that that, again, was... Yeah, that episode was incredible. Mm. And that monologue in particular, what did you guys think of the monologue? I thought that monologue was the best um, monologue in Star Wars. Yeah. For sure, hands down. Um, Skarsgård did an incredible job. Um, if we're talking about Emmys, then... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throw him on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool to see... Well, it literally is shows how much he is sacrificing. Mm. You know, he's playing like two lives. You know, he's this antique dealer. Yeah. Um, but he's also like sacrificing so much that we don't really realize. Mm. Um, just for the greater good. Yep. Um, but yeah, executed it perfectly. Yeah, so good. And to hear him talk about how, because the like inside ISB guy is kind of saying how these 30 men are going to be killed. Um, and to hear Luthen kind of say how they kind of have to lose people and pretend that they're not forming this uprising. While it's kind of like imitation game where they crack the code of Enigma, yeah. but then they still have to... Sh- like lose a few battles so that the Germans don't realize what's actually going on. And to think that this one guy is like sacrificing this all and thinking about all this. And he also has this, I don't know the exact words, but he talks about how he's fighting for something that he's not going to see the sunshine on. Like he's, he's fighting for something that doesn't actually eventuate until after rise of Skywalker. If we're talking about the rebellion winning. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I love that scene because like everyone likes to think that they would join the rebellion if mm. they were just like a person. Yeah. And the kind of inside ISB guy is kind of like one of us where like we would kind of do our part. Yeah. But then mm. when it suits us to like not, we would kind we of just back leave, out. Yeah. Mm. And then it makes you realize that, oh no, there's this next tier of guy which you need. Yeah. Who is literally giving up his entire life. Yeah. Like he can't have anything. He can't you know, have his family, he can't have any friends. He has mm. to be willing to like do pretty evil stuff to get it done. Yeah. Um, and it just really hammers it home that like, yeah, like w- would you ever become this guy? Because someone has to. Yeah. Otherwise this is never getting done. Yeah. Do we see him again? Uh, or- yeah, yeah. We see he um, kind of escapes and he he goes on to the um, Ferrex funeral as well. Yeah, I meant like after Andor though. Do we ever see him again? Oh, no, we've no. never seen, yeah, we've yeah. Never seen never him. Seen when him I before. first saw him, I thought he would be that old guy at the start of Force Awakens yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I thought the same. But yeah. Oh, interesting. It might yeah. be. 30 years, add 30 years to Skarsgård, he would be he like, could look like 90 that. or yeah. yeah. But I just thought they are different characters, so it would be strange. 
like yeah. different actors. Sorry, so it may be strange, but then yeah, he does kind of look like him. Though. He does kind of yeah, and I'm pretty sure for memory that that guy was like an arms dealer or, or some sort of like mm. local collector of um of like antiques or something, which would obviously make sense. But interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really think cool. um yeah, that was really interesting. And the other thing is that to think that this is the guy that sort of sparks the rebellion. Yeah. He's like, integral. Like yeah. without him, there'd be no rebellion pretty much. Yeah. And to think of like, you know, what you might have had in your mind of who started it. Like I thought it was really interesting to hear this one speech kind of capture it all. Um, and equally like in the next episode when he does sort of escape, um, that you have that huge like empire cruiser with the big like satellites sort yeah. of like questioning him and he's he's trying to like, you know, talk his way out of it. But then he just charges up his ship, turns on the like laser and like, yeah. you know, just beasts it against this huge ship. Yeah. And it shows that he's not just like this kind of um, sly, like sort of guy yeah. plotting Escapes things. trouble sort of guy. Yeah, like he's yeah. properly trained. He's probably yeah. got an amazing backstory himself. But that mm. little scene as well where he just, tears up the empire and gets away. I thought it was really cool as well. Yeah, was, that was really good. Um, what do you guys think of the final episode with the funeral for Marva at Ferex? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it kind of closed the loop where they all go back to Ferex to like mm. um, bring it all together. Um, and we haven't really talked about it, but I enjoyed, especially in that episode, seeing that um ISB lady like oh yeah Deirdre. really kind of yeah um really kind of take the reins and like kind of almost almost not win but like get proven right and like mm. it shows her arc from just being kind of a corporate drone and yeah um climbing the ladder and stuff um it shows it kind of nearly paying off yeah um but at the same time you then have the clash with like probably where the rebellion actually starts, which mm. is like one planet rising up and like kind of inspiring Yeah, obviously a few planets in the future. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, the actual like funeral itself, um, like when they're all walking up mm. uh, and they start chanting, uh, I thought that was really cool. Like, yeah. It's like an epic Star Wars sort of emotional scene. Um, you know, the, the rise up against, against the bad guys. Like, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, we've talked about how good the score was, but in that scene in particular, like they're just playing like flutes and clarinets mm. and stuff. And um, fellow Cinemates uh, member, Pat, who was on the previous Star Wars episodes, he was saying how Tony Gilroy had to like fight really hard for them not to be like these like very Star Warsy instruments because he kind of wanted to bring a bit of like humanity to it. Bit of culture. Yeah, bit yeah. of culture. And it like sort of builds up like Ferex has this ritual of the funeral and um, – the pacing of that episode, like, because we get this slow build and mm. we're hearing about Marva and um, I thought that for it to then, like, just go over the edge and we also followed that kid whose dad had been, like, kidnapped and he made the bomb. Yeah. Um, as well as we had um, Bix who'd been, like, you know, tortured. Mm. Um, to see all these slow little things like culminating to just this one moment of like, nah, fuck this, like fuck these guys. Yeah. Um, I thought was so good. Yeah. And yeah, just especially Marva's speech. What did you guys think about Marva's speech on the like hologram? Yeah. Well, it shows like because we we could tell that she was like a bit of a fighter, maybe. Mm. 
Um, I didn't really know much about her backstory, but after that speech, you can kind of tell that she was, I know you almost felt like she was part of the rebellion in some way, but she wasn't. Mm. Like she was, she had her own beliefs, but she never really expressed them. I don't know. And then now that she's died, she probably knows she has this platform Mm. um, to really let out and try and get people to to start to rebel. Yeah. Um, It was cool how they showed the empire's impact on like one culture. Mm. Because you get a taste of it um, on the Aldani one where they kind of explain how they've been slowly chipping away at these indigenous people to like, and they start dying and stuff Mm. or start leaving. Um, And this one shows how like this whole planet of just like kind of, it was already an established kind of economy and civilization. Yeah. Um, How the empire had a plan to like slowly chip away at them as well. Yeah. But they've decided to not rise up and fight. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's not just like, it's kind of the opposite of seeing Andor and the prison guys kind of have their own individual motives. Mm. This one's like, oh, we're rising up as a culture to yep. fight against it. And it kind of brings that larger mass into the rebellion rather than just the street level guys. Yeah, absolutely. And just going on to Andor, like we we kind of see that how how smart he really is. Like he's a really he's he's a really integral and cunning sort of like warrior. Like he mm. he knows that Lutheran's there. As soon as he's seen, he knows that Lutheran's there to kill him because he knows like Oh uh, yeah, like I know too much information about this this rebellion. Yeah, um, he he's gonna kill me. Yeah, and so he kind of already knows that and and ad- adjusts his plan to that, which I thought yeah. was so cool. Like he's like he's a, he's a serious soldier. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was really interesting, and to kind of see how because Luth Luthen was kind of very much at the start, like he wanted to keep it secret and kind of get these slow wins, but then he was starting to kind of go against his partner and be like, you know, nah, we need to get out in the open type thing. Mm. So to even think that he would kill Andor, but to see him like choose otherwise, I thought was really good scene and we'll probably go into season two really well. Mm. Um, one thing I liked about the funeral as well was that um, we had the other character who was part of the Aldani heist who got crushed by the money um played by alex lawther and he obviously had created the manifesto and we hear that over the top of the kind of funeral procession as well some of the quotes that i took out of nemic's manifesto he says the imperial need for control is so desperate because it's so unnatural tyranny requires constant effort it breaks it leaks authority is brittle oppression is the mask of fear and then he says at the end he says one single thing will break the siege. And I think that to hear kind of, it's so true. Like, um, you know, there are going to be these little breaks. There's going to be different people who kind of lose their allegiance and things. And um, to kind of hear that summed up, I thought was really good. And um, yeah, just the way that they did that whole thing was amazing. And again, goosebumps and not tears, but... When Marva says, <laughs> she says, like, fight these bastards yeah. over the yeah. thing. That was so good. <laughs> this little old lady. Just <laughs> yeah. And she, because she, um, Fiona Shaw, she's obviously Harry Potter's uh, auntie. Like, she yeah, kind of yeah. gave a bit of a vibe of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was good. Yeah. What do we think? We've kind of alluded to a lot already, but what do we think of the post credit scene um, with the Death Star showing what all uh, this labor has gone into? What? <laughs> what? I haven't seen that. What? There was a post-credit <laughs> scene. No. I don't know. Are you serious? Completely serious. Okay. Well, you're gonna have to watch it. But they, you know how they were 
no, we'll <laughs> keep going. So you know how they were making these like kind of star yeah, things? Weird. Yeah. Mm. So each one of those went into like one tiny panel that went into the Death Star. So the Death Star's like post credit scene is they show these robots on it, like taking each one of those stars and like putting it in and then they zoom out and mm. it's the Death Star. So what <laughs> they'd been working like, on was the Death Star. It's also like the very That's what he was talking about. as yeah. well of the Death Star like construction. Yeah, it's, it's nearly done. just like the the cannon just being like kind of loaded in. Yeah, like the, sorry. It's, it's part like the, of the, it's like the, the circle later. Oh, it's part of the circle. Yeah. Oh, it's part of the dish part. Yeah, the, the dish. dish yeah. yeah. The very last bit. Yeah. So you're going to have to watch that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Um, there you go. So but yeah. Mates, uh, make sure you listen to the um, and yeah. watch the <laughs> postcode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now that you have heard that, like to hear that they were killing an entire floor of people on these facilities so that, they didn't escape and tell people what they were actually making. Um, I thought that that was yeah. really powerful. I think, I think it, it, to be honest, I think they probably should have put it in at some point even earlier, mm. maybe not a post-credit scene. Yeah. Because Star Wars have never done a post-credit scene before as well. Yeah, that's um, true. So, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> you probably wouldn't assume it. Um, no. But I think that kind of closes out, you know, because you kind of think about it, okay, this seems pretty serious mm. if Palpatine's killing these guys off. Yeah. Must be for something like very important. And then you see it, see it like at the very end, okay, mm. it is for the Death Star. Yeah. And you're kind of like, wow. Yeah. And especially going into season two with that, I think um, to hear kind of Luthen's reaction and the rest of them, maybe they'll kind of realize to sort of consolidate a bit more. Um, and I think season two will be revolving around that yeah yeah i'm really keen for season two i think yeah it'd be really interesting i hope we follow andor and luthan just like kind of see how they go with um um kickstart and the rebellion like yeah even, even making it even stronger um i i i know i still did think it was a bit slow at times but i hope that season two is a bit more like the last few episodes we had mm. um like really getting into the crunch of, of yeah. the rebellion um yeah because i guess now we've been shown why each person is on one side or the other. Mm. So now they can probably dive into the nitty-gritty sort of yeah. operations. Yeah. Um, a few final questions for you both. First one, uh, one of the other main characters was Cyril, who's like part of the ISB and um, he gets like fired and stuff. What do you guys think of the blue milk and cocoa pebbles? <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed the callback and like, like, they showed that it was actually a thing for some reason, which is cool. Um, as we have throwbacks, when they did like the weird cameras, they, they had all these little Easter eggs in it, which is mm. very cool. Um, yeah, the shop, the antique shop had so yeah, many. Exactly. Like yeah. they, there was like a Gungan shield in there. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. Padme's um, tiara thing. Oh, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. There you go. In um, Tack of the Clones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on Cyril's character, what do you think about Deirdre and his like. Weird I, I really sexual tension. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they nearly like yeah. got with each other. Yeah, I don't know. Just a couple of empire apologists. <laughs> like. Do you reckon? Do you reckon they get together in season two and like kind of? I don't that, know. They're, 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 nah, they're, they, they, I think that, she's too professional. They like their careers too much. Yeah, that, that's what I loved about it. It's like <laughs> these guys just go to work and try to get promoted. And <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it shows, like, especially for Cyril, it shows that. And kind of like tells the Jedi, you know, there's these people that do like the Empire. Mm, mm. Um, and they're all in various levels, yeah. both mm. within the Empire or they're just a farmer who likes the mm. Empire. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed the ISB as the villains. Like yeah. that there's this kind of Gestapo 
like Empire Force out yeah. there. Yeah. It's not just like Vader and Palpatine. It's actually and the, storm like the Empire yeah. itself doing like the intelligence rather yeah. than just winning by sheer number of people. Mm. Yeah. Like they actually have this force of really smart, like a perfect fodder for Luthen, mm. where they're both like operating in the shadows. Mm. They need to let one side win a little bit to like not show mm. their hand. And like, yeah. I love that espionage side of it. It was really yeah. cool. I thought it was interesting the fact that we didn't really see any stormtroopers at all. No, yeah. Like there, there is so much control in the galaxy and they don't even have stormtroopers like on every post or every planet. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're controlling everything mm. with people who just believe, either believe in the cause and yeah. want to keep Dudes control. in the gray or the black or the white. Yeah. Because like, yeah. you see all those guys in the original trilogy and you're just like, how are these guys useful? Like, mm. they don't have guns. They're just yeah. like dudes with badges. Yeah. And like, and this show gives them a purpose and makes you realize that yeah. they have to exist. To be yeah. honest, I w- I didn't love the character of Cyril. I would have almost yeah. preferred to have seen someone who was higher up in like um like Darth Vader's rankings and stuff, mm. and seeing like a little pre-story of him. Um, but in saying that, it was cool to see um the effect of the ISB. Yeah, I think um, maybe maybe in season two, I th- I personally thought that Cyril was going to kind of turn, be disheartened yeah. with the ISP, Not but then he down. Yeah, yeah, he doubles down and yeah. like just keeps going with it. Um, so yeah, season two will be interesting with him. Yeah, but yeah, I I think there's more to him, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Another question I had was, um, <laughs> did you guys think that the bell ringer at Ferrex was like going to be a bit of a hero somehow because <laughs> he like <laughs> just kept ringing the bell and they were like you know like get him to shut up and they um started firing at him but he like kicked <laughs> some stormtrooper off um what do you guys think of that <laughs> so I, I, think, was, I, I didn't think it was pretty cool though like he, yeah yeah like when they like when they would um ring the bell and all that and also when they had when they would click on the they would hit the bells outside the houses and stuff mm. or the plates. Like yeah. I thought that was really cool. So yeah. It was like the, just the town kind of uniting as one to mm. fight, you know, fight against yeah. any intruders. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, I just saw some meme. It was like the hero of Andor, the bell ringer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, also, last question. I think, what do you guys think of the actual like ending? Like you said you didn't see the post credit scene. Like, the ending wasn't some like big cliffhanger. It was just kind of like a you know mutual mm. agreement between Luthen and Andor. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I thought it was really nice. Like mm. you know, in the era of Marvel and stuff, you're you're expecting this big cliffhanger. And yeah. like I guess as you're explaining, the Death Star kind of was a bit of a cliffhanger. But you, I mean, they were they were alluding to the fact that these things were getting built for something. Mm. But yeah, like I I was actually, it was an ending that you already knew was going to happen like you already knew that Andor, you know was going to join in yeah like it it wasn't a big shock it was just kind of like oh we're now at this point where they can now do season two where they're going to mm. go out and actually be rebels like it it just makes it, it's that realism that we've been talking about where you know this is where that point is and it it makes sense to end the season here without yep. some giant twist or reveal mm. yep. um it just adds to the authenticity of the show yeah i also feel like i didn't i didn't actually find it predictable that mm. like we, we knew what was going to happen we knew you know Ander was going to be alive and he was going to make it but at like not once throughout the series so do you yeah. really think you didn't really know what was going to happen 
um, which I thought was really, really cool. And like you didn't, it didn't kind of take away from the experience at all. When yeah, watching it. absolutely. I definitely agree. I think um, even though, yeah, there probably is a lot of plot armor. Um, again, the way that Tony Gilroy and the rest of the team were able to create it and the way that they drove the story, yeah, you couldn't really predict anything. And again, it was very new. So um, I really liked that aspect and I'm very keen to see what they do with season two. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, one, it's two one, years away, but yeah. One final thought, like I guess, you know, you kind of assume that Andor would like finish the season being this like, you know, big number two re- rebel guy, but he turns up kind of broken being like, I'm so tired and sick of this. Like, yeah, you know, either kill me or or bring me in. Mm. And I, I just thought that was really cool. Like mm. showing that this all takes a huge toll on someone and like, yeah, you, you're not just going to be suddenly revived and like have the energy to keep going like you're going to have moments where you're just going to like be ready to give up mm. um and that was kind of one of the, one of those moments yeah definitely i think um obviously the scale of the empire and we talked about the prison and the toll that they take on just the everyday person in the galaxy i think yeah definitely interesting to see that and to see the different effect it has on different people but um yeah, this big character you would think, you know, was pretty like, um, I guess in like impervious to being discouraged about certain things. Even after being jailed, like he was still keen to like fight, but here we see him just kind of like given up, his mum's died, like he's lost everyone. Um, you know, Bix is like probably very traumatised. Um, so yeah, it is really interesting that they dove into that. Yeah. Yeah, and I th- it was just so like, it is nice to see it go into Rogue One, mm. um, which is arguably one of the, the better Star Wars movies of all time, mm. um, but also a spin-off in itself. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely loved the series. Yeah. They did an incredible job. For sure. I think, um, yeah, amazing show. I think more people need to see it. And I think that this and Tales of the Jedi just really showed what they can do. And as we talked about at the start of the episode, the potential that the Star Wars universe has. Especially compared to Obi-Wan as well. Mm. I found that, I mean, I, I loved Obi-Wan, but it felt like it was a rush and it, you had to get Easter eggs in for all the fans. Mm. Whereas this was just like, there was no, not many Easter eggs there, no lightsabers, as you said, no yeah. force, no like of those main core characters we love, mm. but it's so integral to the whole storyline. So yeah. it's like really intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, it's, again, I'm not like a pro, but if you think about any big famous franchise, like a lot of the like fatigue that you get is when they just keep doing the same thing and the same characters mm-hmm. and same sort of formula. But like if you think about say Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, like there is so much history in each of these like universes. Like mm-hmm. they could easily make completely new things mm-hmm. that still draw to like the underlying tone of say Star Wars. But um, we can see new things and like, We've got the Acolyte, which we've talked about before we recorded. Like that's going to be in a new time. Again, probably a different part of, you know, this whole history. So I think that this was good evidence of how great that sort of stuff can be. And yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, So that is a wrap for the Tales of the Jedi and Andor. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates, a podcast for a bunch of mates. Chat about cinema over some drinks and huge thank you to 
Joe and Jim for coming on the podcast. It was great chatting with you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Enjoyed it. No worries. As always, please let us know what you want to hear about in future episodes by sending us a DM on Instagram or TikTok at cinemas underscore. Otherwise, we'll catch you for the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates. Make sure to follow us and leave a review on your chosen streaming platforms. Also, check out our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube channel for more Cinemates content. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge Australia's First Nations people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land and pay respect to the Camaragal people of the Eora Nation upon whose country Cinemates is based. We honour the storytelling and culture of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities across Australia. Also, in the spirit of chatting with mates, remember it's always important to check in with those around you. Whether it's friends, family or colleagues, sometimes they may be going through a hard time and chatting with them may reassure them that they aren't alone. If you or anyone you know is ever struggling, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.